Hello and welcome to Alive Church Online. Thank you so much for joining us today. Wherever you're joining us from Ireland or Enniscorthy or Wexford or, or anywhere across the world, we are so privileged that you're joining us today. You know, I know there's a lot of people watching us on their iPhones, their iPads, their I don't know what's, their TVs and smart, whatever else they have, but, but we're so glad that you're joining us. You know, we're in a series at the moment in church and, and we're talking about the benefits that we who follow after God have. And, and one of those benefits is joy. You know, as we go through, and, and we are going through, don't forget that. We're going to go through this season and we're going to come out the other end of this season. And God wants us in this season to maintain our joy. So for the next 30 minutes, I want you to get comfortable. You know, the ironing will wait or the whatever else you need to do, it'll wait, it'll hold. You need to feed yourself in this season. So take this 30 minutes, grab your coffee, grab your cereal or grab your whatever else you're grabbing and, and just sit down, let God minister to you. We're talking about a benefit of following after God and that is joy. I want to talk to you today about another benefit that we have because we follow God and, and that is joy. Now I know with everything that's going on in the world at the moment today, joy is about as plentiful as hand sanitizer. We are bombarded on the left and the right, everywhere you go, on every channel that you turn on, on every radio station that you listen to, on every newspaper that you pick up, you're bombarded with stories of coronavirus and all that sort of negative stuff that's going on at the moment. You'll never find on your newspaper or on your 9 o'clock news a story today that will bring joy to your heart. And I know we're living in unprecedented times and I don't believe there's any one of us watching this today that has ever gone through anything like this before. This is all new. Every day we're hearing scary predictions about the amount of people that are going to contract this coronavirus in Ireland and the amount of people that will survive and the amount of people that will die and, and other stuff that may be coming down along the line as regards to lockdowns and shutdowns and stuff like that. You know, we live in a world and at a time where joy is in very short supply. Everywhere you look, you're finding people who are scared, unhappy, miserable, and who are really, really, really frightened. I believe that a lot of this, this fear is being fueled by our media and our social media in particular. Let me just say to you, church, be so, so careful about what you read online. Be so, so careful about where you consume your media these days. Not all media that you're reading, not all stories that you're reading and being shared online are truthful or factful. So be so, so careful about what you read and be equally careful about what you post. Everywhere you go, we're being assaulted by stories of coronavirus, Brexit, global warming, stock market crashes, recession, war, refugees, and so much more. We're being told that so many hundreds of thousands of jobs will be lost in this nation. We're being told that we in this nation could end up in, in recession. In actual fact, we're told that the, the world could end up in probably one of the biggest depressions that we've ever known. You know, I believe that our world is full of sickness because we have lost our ability to walk in joy and be happy. John 10, 10 tells us that the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy in all of this talk of coronavirus, we have to recognize where it came from. And it didn't come from God. It came from the enemy. 
And his job is to try and bring depression, to bring misery, to bring sadness and depression and fear to your life. He is the father of depression. And he loves nothing better than to steal your joy. But Jesus said that when he enters your life, that he comes to give you life. And that more abundantly. Life to the fullest. The fullest and most abounding life that you will ever live is found only in Jesus. One of the greatest benefits that we have as followers of Jesus Christ is the ability to be, to be full of joy even when everyone around us is fearful and joyless. You know, when I read the Bible, and especially when I read about the stories of, of Jesus, I, I can't help but believe that Jesus had an amazing sense of humor. You know, I believe everywhere Jesus went that he had a laugh. I mean, he had to have a laugh. He was followed by so many hundreds and, and thousands of people. He had to have a sense of humor. I mean, his disciples that followed him, his closest followers, I mean, just to look at some of those characters, I mean, you had to have a sense of humor to pick him. I believe that our Lord Jesus was one of the funniest people to ever walk the earth. Genesis chapter 1 tells us there, verse 27, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The message version puts it this way. It says, God spoke. Let's make human beings in our image. Making them reflect our nature. The Good News Translation says it this way. It says, so God created human beings, making them to be like himself. You know, God created mankind, you and me, to reflect his image, to reflect his nature. That God created us in his nature and in his image. He gave us his character. You know one of the things that I like to do better than anything else, and especially in times of fear, like the stuff we're going through at the moment? I like me and my family. We like, should I say. We like nothing better than to watch a good comedy film. On night after night for the last while, every night we've been putting on something funny. Angela and I will watch something funny if the girls are gone to bed or watching something else in another room, we'll watch something funny. Every night before we go to sleep, we'll watch something that makes us laugh. And, and it, every night in our home, as we're watching films, we make up our own jokes. We have our own laugh. Rebecca, she'll crack a joke over something that we've seen in a film or, or something like that, and we'll all laugh. Emma, she'll, she'll make a joke or she'll read something that, that she's, she's seen on some site someplace and we'll all fall around the place laughing. Angela, she says something funny. I, at the odd time, I might say something funny. And we actually make our own jokes. We crack ourselves up. We really do. Rebecca has so many videos in her, in her phone where, where we're talking at home and, and we're having a laugh and, and she'll be there recording and she'll play it back and, and we'll laugh at ourselves in return. And I'll admit... I'm at the butt of most jokes. But I don't care. Because we love to laugh. We love to have some fun. And God says that we were created in His image and in His nature. So I believe that God created fun. God created laughter. Amen. Every time that you have a good laugh, how does it make you feel? I know how it makes me feel. Every time someone tells me a joke, a clean joke, of course. 
Every time someone tells me a joke, I laugh. I heard a joke the other day. This young boy was sitting down by a stream, petting a dog. And this man comes over to him and says to the boy, does your dog bite? And the young boy says to him, no. So the man patted the dog and, and the, the dog bit him, nearly took half his arm off. And he said to the young boy, he said, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. The young boy said, that's not my dog. And when I heard that, that cracked me up. That cracked me up. I thought that was so funny. When you have a good laugh, it makes you feel so much better. I, I found this on some health website during the week, a secular website. It listed some of the health benefits that laughter gives us. It says that laughter is a natural painkiller. It's a stress buster. It's an antidepressant. It lowers your blood pressure. It boosts your cardiovascular ability. It builds your immune system. Isn't that amazing? Even health experts in the natural world have recognized the benefits of having a good laugh. We need to laugh more and be fearful less. But have you ever spent much time in a miserable company's person's company? I mean, a person who hasn't anything good to say about anybody. A person who, when you're around them, brings you down. A person who, if, they, if the sun is shining, it's too hot. If, if, if it's cold, it's too cold. It's too bright, it's too dark. A person who's never happy. I mean, a kind of person who, if they won a million on the lotto in the morning, wouldn't be happy. Have you ever been around a person like that? How do they make you feel? Oh, they bring you down, don't they? Oh, yeah, it's like when you come out of their company. It's like you've got this weight on your shoulders. They, they just bring you down to their own level. Their attitude rubs off on you. you, you sometimes when you come out of a person's company like that, you feel sick. You feel a little bit depressed yourself. George Washington once said, it is far better to be alone than to be in bad company. And that's good. 2 Corinthians 6, it says in verse 14, it says, Don't be teamed with those who do not love God. For what do people, the people of God, have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness. The Word of God tells us, don't hang around with those who are always trying to bring you down to their level. You know, the longer you hang around with a pig, the more like the pig you become. If you have people in your life that are constantly trying to bring you down to their level, you need to find new friends. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Can I tell you something? Your iron. Don't try to sharpen yourself on wood. Matthew chapter 7. It says in verse 6, it says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. Least they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. If the people that you're hanging around with if the people who are most prominent in your life are bringing you down, making you feel miserable, making you feel sick when you're in their company, get new friends. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength doesn't come from lifting weight in the gym. 
Your strength doesn't come with all of the, the, the bells that you're lifting or all the stuff you're throwing around or the amount of push-ups or sit-ups or press-ups or whatever else ups you do. Your strength doesn't come from that. The Word of God says that your strength comes from knowing and taking joy in God. You know, joy is essential for your health and your well-being. Proverbs chapter 17 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. It says that a heart full of joy acts in a way that brings healing and health to itself. Being full of joy will cause your body to be healthy. You know, our God who created our bodies, praise the Lord, made them in such a way that when we are happy and joyful, that it causes them to trigger something in ourselves that brings healing to our bodies. I heard a story this one time about this man who was so sick that the doctors had given up all hope on him. They sent him home from the hospital and sent him home to die. He had a few weeks or so to live. And when they, they got him home, his, his family said, you know, you know uh, once they settled him and got him comfortable, they said, you know, is there anything that we can do for you? And this man, he said, I want you to go and get me a box set of Abbott and Costello episodes. So they said, yeah, fine, no problem. And they went out and they bought the Abbott and Costello episodes and they brought them home to him and and they, they set up the, the, the DVD and the TV in his room and they, and, and they put the, the DVDs in. And he played them over and over again. And as he played them, he laughed. Abbott and Costello brought such joy to his life, such fun did he derive from watching Abbott and Costello videos. After a few weeks, the doctors came back to check him out or just to see how much closer to death he was. And they found after a few weeks that, you know, he actually started to improve. And a few weeks later went by and he was improving even more again. And a few months later, when at this stage he should have been long dead, the doctors came back again and checked him out again. And at this stage, they brought him into hospital and they said, we need to check to see what's going on in this guy's body because he should be long dead at this stage. And when they brought him in and they checked him, they actually found that what was killing him in the first place was actually gone. That now he was actually in full recovery mode and he was going to live. Isn't that amazing? Now, Abbott and Costello, the fun of watching simple Abbott and Costello videos brought healing back to his body because it brought so much joy to his life. Church, the reality of the situation is laughter really is the best medicine. Psalms 37 says there in verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Your joy has to be in the Lord. If your joy is in God, there is nothing that our God would withhold from you. Philippians chapter 4, it says there in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say, rejoice. How often does God say we're to rejoice in Him? When things are good? When you get the right answer? When 
health is in your body, when the coronavirus is destroyed, how often does God say that you are to be joyful? Does God say you're to be joyful when you're married and you have now found your husband? Does God say you're to be joyful when you, all of your debt is gone and you now are free from debt? Is that how often you should be joyful? Does God say you should be joyful when the conditions approve of your joy? No. God says you are to be joyful always. And just in case you didn't get it the first time, God says, again, I say, rejoice. Just in case you didn't get it the first time. Again, I say, rejoice. We are to be rejoicing in our singleness. We are to rejoice in our death. We are to take joy in the face of the coronavirus. You are to be and rejoice when you're sick. You are to rejoice when you don't feel like it. God says you are to rejoice always. Because the Lord knows that we have an enemy who will do everything and who will throw everything at you in order to kill your joy, to steal your joy, in order to make you miserable. He'll do everything in his power that he can to get you off and away from your joy. That's why God says in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, when things are good, when things are bad, God says rejoice anyway. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says there in verse 16, it says, rejoice always, just in case you didn't get it the first time. We are to rejoice in all things because God says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, I think sometimes that we think that we have it so bad. I think sometimes we feel that we're justified in being grumpy. I think, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at our situation or circumstance and the things that we go through, and I think that we think, you know what, I'm justified in being grumpy. I'm justified in being un unhappy because of the way they treated me, because the way they're treating me, because of what happened in my past, because of, of this. I, I think sometimes we think we're justified to be grumpy. But as believers, I, I think we need to look at the stories in the Word of God. And I think if we look at some of the stories in the Word of God and some of the things that Jesus' followers went through, I think we've no justification whatsoever to be grumpy. Especially think of the story of Paul and Silas over in Acts chapter 16. We see where Paul and Silas are going around and they're preaching the good news and as they go from city to city, preaching the good news and telling people about salvation in Jesus, they win a lot of converts and, and some... Don't, no, that's okay. But a lot of people turn to Jesus. And now they come to one city called Philippi. And as they're going about into Philippi, preaching the, the word of God in Philippi, one day they, they, they come and they're set upon really by, by, by this young girl who has got a spirit of divination. And everywhere they, they, they go, this young girl is annoying them. She's really, she's up in their faces. She's walking around everywhere after them. And, and Paul decides, you know, listen, hey, listen, I have enough. Paul casts the demon of divination over, sets the girl free. Hey! No. The people of that city, or should I say, the owners of that child, her handlers, they made a lot of money out of her because she'd go around telling fortunes and probably casting spells and all that sort of stuff. So when they saw that the, 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 the demon that was in her that allowed her to do all the stuff that she was doing was now gone, 
they had Paul and, and Silas, they had him arrested and beaten with rods and they had him thrown into jail. So now here we see Paul and Silas beaten, bruised for doing something good. This young girl, they set her free, thrown into jail and thrown into jail into the middle of the jail. Their feet fastened into the stocks, into the most secure part of the prison. Now, how would that make you feel? Would you feel hard done by? Yeah, I'd say so. Would you feel maybe God abandoned you? Probably. Would you feel annoyed by God, that God had let you down? Possibly. Scared? Yeah. Depressed? More than likely. And probably all the rest, I'd say. But how did Paul and Silas react to this harsh treatment? Acts chapter 16 tells us, it says, But at midnight, at the very darkest part of the night, in the very darkest part of the prison, with their feet fastened in the stocks, with guards on this side, guards on that side, other prisoners there, other prisoners there. It says at midnight, at the very toughest part, with the smell all around them of, of neglect and the smell of the other prisoners and, the, and, and probably open wounds in their back in pain. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas, they weren't crying. They weren't shaken with fear. They weren't cursing God. They weren't crying out. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Isn't that amazing? That despite everything that they'd gone through, Paul and Silas were praying and singing worship to God. They were leading praise and worship in the inner prison. That's amazing. You know when you're complaining? People are listening. When you're giving out, people are listening, especially when they perceive and know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, most people will get most of their likes on a Facebook post that is complaining rather than one that's proclaiming. Because like it or not, people are always watching you. They're always watching me. We're believers. We're the ones out there preaching the gospel, telling them how, how much they need Jesus. So if they hear us complaining... If they hear us giving out about our circumstances or situations that we come up against, that will turn them away from the gospel. Amen? But here we have Paul and Silas. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 35, it says, just before that, it says that they, in 25, it says that they were worshiping and praising God in the prison. And it says when they were worshiping and singing hymns to God, it says that the other prisoners were listening to him. It says they were listening to him. As they worshiped God, they were listening. Church, be very careful as we go through this whole coronavirus episode. Be very careful what you post online. Be very careful what you say to people that you meet. Be very careful what you say to your unbelieving friends. Because they're listening. They're taking note. Amen? They're missing nothing. Be very careful that going through this sort of stuff we're going through, that you fight hard to maintain your joy. Because if you react the same way as the world is reacting to this virus, they won't listen to you anymore. They'll say, there's nothing different than you. You're just going on the same way as I do. Going on the same way as the world does. 
People want to see something different. We need to react with faith and not fear. Don't jump. And here's the thing. Let me, let me just say this and move on. Don't jump on the, the end is nigh. God is pouring out his vengeance on the world type of witnessing that some Christians are doing online to this, this day during this crisis. Don't jump on that bandwagon. That doesn't bring honor or glory to God. That's not what Jesus would have done. So we as, as his followers, we don't need to do that. We don't need to bring that kind of message either. In these worrying times, we need to be people that bring a message of hope, bring a message of peace. And that message of peace and hope will open more doors than any message of fear that we could bring at this time. And I wonder if that's what we did, how many more people would we be able to bring to the gospel in this time. When Paul and Silas prayed and worshipped God, it says that the other prisoners listened to them. Verse 26 tells us that suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. Now I've watched enough prison films down through the years to know that when a prisoner's chains fall off or if all of a sudden a hole became in the wall of their prison, they're out of there. They don't hang around. They're not looking around to see what happened, to see what's going on. They ain't even wanting to know what's going on in the cell next to them. They're out of there. They're gone. And you know what? The thing about this story of Paul and Silas is most of the prisoners in that jail at that time would have been under a sentence of death. They were under a sentence of death. So here you find them. The doors are open. Their chains are gone. But yet not one prisoner left that cell. Verse 27 says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice. He said, Don't harm yourself, for we are all still here. Now, was Paul lying? No. Paul was telling the truth. Not one prisoner had left that cell or that jail that night. Every last one of them. In actual fact, I believe that when their chains were loosened, that the ones who were on the outer extremities, they even drew closer to Paul and Silas. Because you know what? If you bring a message of hope, it draws people to you. If you're full of joy when you should be full of fear, it actually, instead of repelling people, it actually draws people to you. And people were drawn to Paul and Silas. Even the condemned were drawn to Paul and Silas that night. Verse 29 tells us why. It says, Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That night in the prison, because Paul and Silas prayed instead of cried, worshipped instead of complained, had joy in place of fear, they led a revival in that jail. And every last one of them, right down to the jailer, came to know Jesus that night. Church, in our interactions, during this time, during this crisis, in our interactions with all those people around us, if we bring faith to the table, if we bring joy to the table, if we speak differently and act and react differently than all of those people who are around us, 
I believe without a shadow of a doubt we will lead more people to Christ in this crisis than we could have any other way. Amen. I wonder if one of the keys of a revival in this land of ours is how we, the church, react in this current situation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, two last scriptures. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, it says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Church, no matter what the enemy tries to throw at us in these days, I mean, here we are for the third week in a row, and we're not meeting together as a church this week again. So the enemy is trying to destroy something that God is trying to build. But in all things that the enemy tries to throw at us, God is able to bring it around for good. One of the benefits that we have as followers after Jesus is the ability to have joy and walk in joy in our lives. I want to give you a chance today. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity today. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says that if you confess, you, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. Who is the salvation for? Well, again, Romans 10 and verse 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, it says will be saved. If you haven't called on the name of the Lord before, I want you to pray this very quick prayer after me. And the word of God says, if you do, you will be saved. Pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I acknowledge that I have sinned. And I come to you right now, receiving that forgiveness for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead and are alive today. Right now I open the door of my heart and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, the Word of God says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it is our strength. I know for all of us here, church family at Alive Church, we know that the joy of the Lord in this season will be and is our strength. Listen, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we want you to like if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching this on Facebook and you haven't subscribed, subscribe or like us on Facebook. But most of all, we want you to share. Share this video. Share this hope this joy that you have been listening today that that hopefully has filled you with some more hope and some more joy in your hearts today another thing i want to bring to your remembrance is is that during this whole season as we're not meeting together physically we as a church we still have financial needs and and i know i still pay my tithe and i know my family we're still paying our tithes and i want to bring it back to your remembrance that we still need and god still wants us to be cheerful givers in this season. So in the link above me, maybe on Facebook, and maybe below me on YouTube, maybe I got that wrong. 
but there's a link in both places there for you to click on that link and it'll bring you to a PayPal page or it'll bring you to a page where you can get our, our bank details for in order for you to do a, a, your tithes and offerings online. We're so thankful that you're continuing to give with us in this season. So thankful that you continue to support us. We are praying for you. We're praying that this situation is coming to an end. We are victors and not victims. And we're praying also that throughout this week, no matter what you do, wherever you find yourself, that you will have a blessed week. God is on your side.